lot of sports podcasting from chicago you're listening to pass the mic with nucci quasi and digits hello and welcome to episode five of pass the mic it's february 4th 2016 we have a very special show today uh please stay tuned as we have our first ever guest on ptm chicago DePaul associate coach Rick Carter joining us. Uh, but as usual, you know, we'll get to start off with like Super Bowl, I mean, not Super Bowl, football bets recap from a couple weeks ago. And then we'll talk about the big game after that. So, Nucci, you want to recap us on the bets? Yeah. So, first recap us on the bets. Uh, all bets from last year are off as it is a brand new year. Let's which just is, say I won, okay? Whatever. Anyway. Which is good for me. Which is good for me and Quasi because we didn't Once do that. Once the playoff well. starts, your record's at zero. Yeah, whatever. Either way, so here's our record for the playoffs. Proz is still winning digits. Uh, digits went two, one, and one because he had a push. Me and Quasi went one, two, and one. So we're pretty much starting off the new year exactly like last year. We're, <laughs> we're behind already. <laughs> Well, what about the Super Bowl? Carolina's a five-and-a-half point So Carolina's five-and-a-half point favorite. I really would like to bet on Carolina. I really think that they can do it. I I just think that uh, it's going to be closer than people think. I think it might come down to three three or four points. So I'm going to go Denver plus five-and-a-half. Whoa! That's right. uh, old man Payton's not. I don't think he's going to go out with another beating. I mean, they got whooped on by Seattle. You think that's going to happen again? I think they did a great job improving their defense. I don't. I don't think they'll get crushed like they did against Seattle. I think uh, it'll come down to Cam Newton's legs. I think uh, their secondary is great in Denver, and I don't think he'll be able to throw all over the field. But I don't know if they have the run defense to really uh, keep him. him contained. So. I think if he can get outside, I think Carolina's going to win. I, you know, it's a big if. Well, they cover, though, five and a half. Five and a half. And so one touch, one touchdown's not that much. I mean, it's not, you know. Yeah. I know. It's I mean, one score. It's not, you know, three. I mean, I, I agree with you that it's going to come down to Cam Newton's running ability just because, I don't know. I don't know, really don't know how Cam Newton can. Just burn defenses throwing to Ted Ginn and whoever <laughs> else is out there, obviously, other than you, Greg Olson. If you listen to one of our of older podcasts, our, Ted Ginn is a badass, yeah, like yeah, I said. Yeah, Ted Ginn. <laughs> okay. Akeem Talib was a badass shut, in Ohio State. Akeem Talib could badass shut down now. Ted Ginn in his sleep, okay? That's going to happen. So are you but, covering? What, what are you taking? We need to pick. Yeah, what are you taking? All that talk. Uh, all that talk. I'm going to push because I think old man Peyton might. Push? Push. You <laughs> can't push at five and a half. I can't push. You can't, can't score half a point, I don't think. I'm a betting amateur. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to assume Carolina is going to win by a touchdown, but. So you're you taking know, Carolina. You're taking Carolina. That's what he said. I know. It's, it's hard because I think. Yeah, yeah. I will take. I will take the Broncos. Sure. That sure. was a I wavering, <laughs> wavering pick. All right, digits. You're the numbers guy. All right. What do the numbers say? I mean, I think like a lot of people are tempted to go with Carolina just because of Cam Newton and because we saw Denver get crushed. But by them. I think the hardcore betters, from what I'm hearing, are taking Denver to cover, and I'm going to lean that way as well. Well, like, yeah, I guess you're, people are underestimating like Denver's defense. We're picking right cover, here. not win. So people are underestimating Denver's defense, and 
I don't know. I think, like, it'll be a close game. Both defenses are really good. It'll be a close game. So I don't think it'll be a seven-point game. It'll be, like, Carolina. I don't think it'll be one touchdown. No, no, no. I, I think what? Carolina will win by, like, three points, maybe. I'm guessing. I don't know. Like, All right, so you're, going, you're, you're going for Denver I'm to going, cover. I'm going Denver to cover. All right, so Digis got Denver to cover. I have Denver to cover. Quasi's wavering pick. I, I, I'll go with Car- I'll go Carolina. With, you know what? Well, now that I agree with Moosey, Moosey's going to win this week, finally, you know. You know, I like a good story. I'd like to see Peyton, uh, you know, win one and go off into the sunset. Right. So. We, we, we all agree that Carolina's going to win, but I would like to see Peyton win. That'd be fun. That'd be... He already won, be... though. He beat the Bears. Come on. <laughs> he doesn't need to win again. He didn't. Man, they ran the ball. It was raining. Peyton Manning didn't even throw a touchdown. How did, <laughs> how did, how did the Bears try and throw with Rex Grossman? We had now, Rex just, Grossman and Cedric look, Benson. What are the worst quarterbacks ever? Was, was, that was depressing. <laughs> hey, to go to the Super Bowl, I was right? in Miami in a hotel I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it. Monaco. I, I saw it in the 90s with John Elway, you know, having that final Super Bowl victory and just, you know, retiring. It, it'd be nice to see it. That was John Elway's only Super Bowl victory, though. No, Yeah, but he had back-to-back. That was like. Peyton already won, so it's not exactly the same thing. But no, whatever. He needs to win again to solidify He needs himself, a nice bookend. To solidify himself as one of the greatest of all time. He's Isn't always getting he? compared to Tom Brady, who's got multiple rings. He needs multiple rings. Well, His right. brother has two rings. <laughs> exactly. Okay? Exactly. And you know, he's not very good. Hey, at the Manning <laughs> table. Dilfer has a ring, too, okay? Well, so, that doesn't mean check When they sit down yeah. at the dinner table, the Manning family. <laughs> all right. Who gets the, the Manning Archie family. Manning gets a big piece of chicken. Who gets the next big piece of chicken? <laughs> Yeah. Is it Eli or is it Peyton? Because I think it might Cooper. be Eli. Eli might grab that with his two rings. Listen, Cooper is the only one that can walk in that family, all right? Probably. <laughs> He's the one that hasn't played football. So he... I don't know. Yeah. I, like, I like both quarterbacks. I like Cam, and I like, I'd like to see Cam win. I'd like to see Peyton win, but... You know what? I think Cam's going to pull it off. He's just think he'll he's run all over Superman. Uh, no, he'll I, run all over Denver. I, I don't think he'll no one run, can stop him. But I think the the fear of him running is what will Enough. open it up. Yeah, like you yeah. don't have to worry about a running back. You have to worry about the quarterback running. You know, so four Kub- yards or something, and then you know, so creating Kub- that. Space. So Kubiak has had them. Uh, so one one of their plans uh, to defend the Carolina Panthers is they know Carolina comes out white hot. Okay, Carolina goes up two, oh, yeah. three they, touchdowns they um, right every every first quarter. So they have been playing at an extremely high speed, uh, you know, throughout practice. They said that this is the highest tempo they've played through any practice throughout the entire year. So do you think they can keep that up, though? I mean... You look at Chip Kelly, he used to run that high-tempo offense. Don't ever bring Chip Kelly into this conversation. He's lucky he got it. I agree with that. It starts off great, but I think you get the veterans, and they're like, man, I'm not running that fast for that long. But I guess it's the Super Bowl, so, you know, you're thinking 60 minutes. So speaking of, like, can you run every moment, like, I was listening to Rodney Harrison on Dan Patrick's show today. He claimed the Broncos should just go after Ken Hughes' knees. So that's the only way you get to stop him. You get to hurt him to stop him. You think there's like dirty play or I don't oh, know. that's plain dirty play. Yeah, man. I think like everyone like secretly is doing that bounty gate. Like everyone is trying to go after the other. I don't. I don't, I don't think the Denver guys are going to go at his knees. I think the Denver guys are good enough to to uh, Rodney Harrison get after him. him. Yeah. you know, legitimately. 
Rodney Harrison is just he's trying He's known to, for being like a shady player too. Yeah, like, he, yeah. yeah. Rodney Harrison is just trying to throw out things in the media to make, to make, to make people relevant. mention Rodney Harrison <laughs> right. relevant. You know? So I guess I guess he did his job then. Now Good job, talking. Rodney. Go <laughs> for your knees. You're on PTO. I mean, that's just plain dirty. That's just plain dirty play. I think that, uh, you know, he'll be running around and they'll try to contain him, but trying to hurt him. That's uh, that's not helping the game at all. You know, we want to see a clean game. If Cam Newton wasn't in it, then is it really a win? You know, it's not a win unless you're facing Cam Newton. If yeah. you're facing whoever the backup in Carolina might be, I have no idea. But <laughs> here's <laughs> well, like Nucci, you are a football expert right here. Give us a great fantasy football expert, whatever expertise toward the year. Not betting, not betting, not betting. But <laughs> no, no, terrible, bet. terrible betting. Terrible fantasy betting, but great fantasy football. So, as our football expert, like, what are some of the keys like for both teams to win? Like, what does Carolina need to do to win, or what does Denver need to do to win? I think in order for Denver to win, as Quasi actually mentioned, they need to stop as best as I can Cam Newton's mobility, which obviously has been the hardest thing for people to do. Because if you make Cam uh, a pocket passer, it's just not going to work. He doesn't have the weapons. And I, you know what? I, I used to say that he wasn't a good pocket passer. I take that back. Now I think he's a pretty decent pocket passer. But he just doesn't have the weapons. You can't rely on just Greg Olson and Ted Ginn Jr. <laughs> That's it. Against the Denver secondary. I, I, would, I would question that. I think you can rely on Greg Olson. No, you can rely on Greg I Olson, think, but that's not alone. Really? Not alone. And Ted Ginn is not. Have you ever if, heard if, of if he's just and Brady? Because it's literally the yeah, only person. You're comparing yeah, like Olson yeah, to you're, you're, Gronk. T- Tom Brady makes everyone an all-star. He makes, uh, obviously, you know Gronk and Edelman and everyone's, everyone's a passing threat. What I'm saying with, with, him, with Cam Newton his uh, running ability is really what threatens you. So if they can limit, if they can get after him as much as possible and limit the run, mm-hmm. that is Denver's best bet. Uh, in terms of Carolina, I mean, really, just all they have to do is do what they've been doing all year long. Just stay with the game plan. Come out red hot. Come out firing. Come out with Cam running. Give him a double dose of Jonathan Stewart, the Daily Show. Give him up the middle too. He's a big guy. You know, those are two. Those are two uh, viable options. And then you keep the run. And then that's how Ted Ginn gets open down. Why is Ted Ginn not, uh, you know, covered thirty yards down the field because they're looking for Jonathan Stewart and Cam Newton to run? Yeah. That's how it happens. So, I mean, you know, I also I love. Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron. Riverboat as a, ga- Ron, well, as a gambling bear, man, yeah. my son, myself, and he's a '85 Bear. I yeah. mean, you you can't go wrong. One of oh. one of seven coaches who could potentially play in a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl as a coach. Joining the coach, my dude. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Speaking yeah. of coaches, it's elite company. Speaking of coaches and bringing them back to Chicago, <laughs> John Fox coached both of these teams. That's true. <laughs> that is true. That he was true. actually the last coach. Of both of these teams. So as soon as we fire John Fox, we're going to Super Bowl, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You fire John Fox, they had Ryan, Ryan Rivera, he's in the Super Bowl. You fire John Fox in Denver, you got Gary Kubik, they're in the Super Bowl. I love you, John Fox, but you got to go. You need a Super Bowl. I think there's a difference, though. Uh, they have really elite quarterbacks. We have a good quarterback, but... He, was, he had a great year. That's what the draft's for. Yeah. And now... A pass to Mike Chicago first. Special guest, 
associate head coach of the DePaul Blue Demons. He started his coaching career under legendary Tom Izzo at Michigan State. Last year, he helped lead the Xavier Musketeers to a Sweet 16 appearance under Chris Mack. This is Coach Rick Carter. Yeah. Hello, Coach Carter. How are you doing? Good, good. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, congratulations on the uh, big win the other day against Providence. That was huge. Uh, total domination by DePaul. Much appreciated, much appreciated. It's always fun to win, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, was yeah. A, it was a hell of a game. I'm going to get my out just so I can be a little more organized, if you don't mind. Oh, no problem, yeah. no problem. You're already more organized than us. <laughs> so we have Quasi, Nushi, and Digits. Digits is in the Paul alarm, and we're on past the mic. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, you got it. All right. Well, I'm yeah, ready to go over you guys. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. I always like doing stuff like this, to be honest with you. I'm a big fan of doing podcasts, radio stuff. You know, I think it's always fun. So it'll be a good time, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, congratulations again on the big win last night. I mean, uh, or two nights ago. Uh, yes, completely dominated Providence. Like, uh, I don't want to call it an upset. As like Coach Ed Cooley said, you know, you guys, you guys dominated. Yeah. So it's not really an upset of a ranked team or whatever. Yeah, our guys did a really good job of kind of locking in the game plan. And obviously, you know, Ben Teal going down with an injury, you know, helped us out a little bit. But, you know, it was one of those things where we dominated on the defensive glass and the offensive glass. You know, oh, we have rebounded by 24. 24, 18 to 9 on the offensive boards. Wow, that was this a clinic put on by DePaul. <laughs> it was good. It's kind of what Coach Blade was looking for, so that helps. Definitely, yeah. And, and you coached with Ed Cooley, is that correct? I did. I coached with Ed Cooley at Fairfield. I coached him for two years. It was his first two years there. I went out, it was when I was done at Michigan State as a grad assistant. That was my first uh, first full-time job. Oh, that's amazing. Under, under Izzo, huh? That's a pretty good first uh, gig. Yeah, it wasn't bad, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, got, I have a question. Um, what drew you to DePaul? I know you had coached with uh, Leto at Mizzou, but... Uh, must have been a little tough leaving Xavier. Yeah, it definitely was a really hard decision. You know, um, for me, me and Chris Mack have been friends for a really long time. He actually recruited players for me when I was an AAU coach. And our paths really, there was a couple different opportunities for me to go work at Xavier, but our paths really met up when I was at Missouri for one year, and um, he offered me that job, and I went. And over the course of those two years, you know, me and Chris maintained fr we maintained a friendship, even though he was also my boss. So for me to have to make that decision to leave was really, really difficult. And when I look back on it, the reason that I made the decision is because I want to be a head coach one day. And I know that in order to be a head coach, certain things kind of have to bounce. Oh, oh hold on. Certain things kind of have to bounce and fall your way. Right. And I knew we were going to be good at Xavier. I knew they had a Final Four type team, but I knew that if we went to the Final Four, the people that were really going to benefit from that was going to be Coach Mack probably getting maybe a bigger job if one of them opens up, maybe, you know, a blue, job, a blue blood job, or it's Coach Steele, you know, who was obviously with Coach Mack for as long as he was. So I knew that in order for me to become a head coach of Xavier, we were going to have to go to the Final Four probably two times or do some really special things there. Right. And I knew that that was going to take time. Where I knew at DePaul, if we came here and we were able to turn the program around, 
we were going to have to be one of 68 teams to make the NCAA tournament, and then I would be noticed to be a head coach. So yes, I just sat back and said, mission. yeah, and it was, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's a lot easier to be one of 68 than it is to be one of four. So I was kind of the reason that I made that decision. That was kind of the reason I made that decision. So but it was tough to sure. head coach then, um, are you in charge of recruiting as well? Uh, or do you help with that? Or what are the primary duties, I guess? You know, I have all the same primary duties as every other assistant, but um, as the associate head coach, you know, I guess if practice, if coach can't be at practice, I'll run practice. You know, he's, Coach Lato's done a great job of really letting me sit in on a lot of, like, the meetings with the athletic director, help me, let me help make a lot of final decisions, and just runs a lot of things by me. So, again, it's probably nothing any more different than a normal assistant would be. It's just more of a title, I would say. And a lot of things get ran by me that probably normally wouldn't. I, I, I guess uh, one other quick question that I have for you is, uh, what do we have to do to, to keep some of the homegrown uh, Chicago talent to go to DePaul? Uh, it seems like a lot of good uh, high school players are, are kind of going out of state. What, what would it take uh, to, to bring them, to make them stay in the city here? You know, I think obviously winning helps everything. So if you can build a great program here, and you can attract some of those top-tier guys in the city that want to stay close to home, that would obviously be a benefit for us, you know. And in recruiting, it's all about relationships. So us getting out and, you know, being in high school gyms, getting to know the people that are helping these kids make decisions and forming a relationship with them, and then just being around those kids all the time, that's really going to help us be able to get them. So like anything else, it takes hard work, and you gotta you got to spend a lot of time. Yeah, right. Cool. Uh, so, I mean, what are some of your, I guess, short-term and then long-term goals here uh, to help help the process? Just like you said, just staying in the gyms. Uh, is there any uh, different things that you would do? You know, I think our number one thing here is to build a great culture with our guys every single day. Okay. You know, so it's going to start with winning basketball games to get kids who want to come here. And in order to do that, you have to put a great product out on the court, and you have to be extremely organized. Basically, you're saying you just got to build up the culture, and, and, and that would help with the recruiting and, and helps, obviously, with winning and everything as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess to start over like with that question is our culture with our guys right now, it has to be a lot better than it really ever was. Because when you're turning a program around and you haven't won a lot over the past eight years, there's a lot of bad habits that your players have that they don't even know, you know, like how much they're getting in the gym, how much extra time they're spending, you know, on their game in the gym, how much they're thinking about basketball when they leave the gym, and then when they play the game, playing it the right way in a sense of playing it for one another. Like we always use the term surrender the me for the we. Because when you're losing, when you go out and you play the game, a lot of times you play it to get recognized. Well, that's not always winning basketball. That's not making the extra pass. I'm going to get the most points possible so maybe somebody's going to see me, and even though we're still losing. But we have to change that mentality. We have to change that culture. So when we go out and recruit in the class of 2016 and beyond, our number one thing is character. Like, we got to make sure that we're bringing in high-character kids and that they don't necessarily get lost in the city of Chicago. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that... And there's so many things that you can do here on a day-to-day -day basis that can distract you from your academics or getting in the gym and your game. So that basketball and academics are their number one priority every single day. And then once that's done, really enjoying the city of Chicago.
Right, a absolutely, and just make sure that they're they're focused all the time. I, I definitely hear that. Um, so would you say the majority of the kids that you have are, I mean, they go in all four years uh, with you guys? Um, the ones that we're bringing in or the ones that we have right now? Uh, the ones, I guess, I guess both, the ones that you'd be bringing in and the ones now. Well, obviously we would hope, I mean, it'd be great for us if they didn't have to go for all four years. Like if we get a special kid that wants to come here and he can leave after his first year, second year, or third year, obviously we would take that talent level because that means we're probably winning some games, you know, but if we want, if a kid wants to come stay all four and develop that, develop his game overall, obviously that'd be beneficial for us as well too. So it is really what you can recruit. I would say right now, we're probably not a destination school for a guy who's a one and done. You know, just that's just the truth. Like you got to be at a place like a Duke, a Carolina, Michigan State, where those guys, you know, will come where they can be surrounded by other great, great players. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, but would you say that would build to your strength then the the fact that you get to have them for a couple of years and maybe have a, a stronger stronger chance to make the tournament? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, again, you're probably going to hear me throughout this whole call say this a lot, like. I think all of that can be done by building a great culture. You know, I've been very fortunate because I've pretty much worked at every level possible. You know, like I was at Michigan State for three years for Coach Izzo. We went to a Final Four, and that culture was already built, you know, and it was pride itself on toughness and rebounding. And, you know, coming as a freshman, everybody else was already doing it, so you really didn't have much of a choice. It was just, here we go. Sophomores, juniors, and seniors kind of know it. And then when I got out to Fairfield, and work for Coach Cooley, I was able to watch a program and help the program be rebuilt. You know, it was a losing program before, and like what we had to do on a day-to-day -day basis to change everyone's mindset. And it wasn't just the players, you know, it was the training staff, it was the whole athletic department. It's like we wanted our guys to be held to a totally different standard every single day. And, you know, whether it's in the classroom or going to whether it was in the classroom and not missing class, whether it was in the weight room, making sure they were on time, mm -hmm. whether it was them pushing each other when they were doing conditioning, you know, whether they had an appointment with a teacher, they had to be on time. Like, all those things became really, really important, and then we changed that culture there. And obviously, after two years, I left, and Ed Cooley continued that on to become the coach at Providence. You know, then I go to Western Michigan, and it was very similar to Michigan State, where juniors, seniors, laden teams that already knew what Steve Hawkins' culture was. But again, I've been to every single really level and saw how it was done. So coming here and trying to help rebuild and recapture that yeah. really isn't that hard for me because I've seen it done before. Okay. Uh, sounds, like, sounds like a great challenge. Oh, absolutely. No question about it. And it's very rewarding because, you know, every day you wake up, you know, you know you're going to have to work. You know you're going to have to put in a lot of work. But you can see – you can really see rewards quicker because you can see guys getting better. You can get an email from a professor saying, oh, so-and-so is doing great in our class. He's on time. You know, he's always communicating. And those kind of things weren't being done before. And, you know, you really get that reward of it. That's awesome. I'm, I'm just talking to you. I'm already excited about <laughs> more, well, I'm definitely a high-energy person. There's no question about that. You got it. What's that? Uh, Quick question. I know, like, you have a few seniors, key contributors like Mike Henry, Rashawn Stimmage and Aaron Simpson, who won't be with the team next year. I mean, who are you looking for on the current team to step up next year and contribute? Like, uh, I know Eli Kane is one of those guys. He had like a great defensive game against uh, Chris Dunn, like holding him five for twenty. Like, who else is there? Like, you know, just ready, to, like step up next year on the current team. 
You know, the thing that we talked about when we first got here is we obviously took a foreign trip last year. And when we took our foreign trip, we had 17 guys on this roster. And the one thing that we said when we came in is, like, everyone's a freshman. Because offensively what we were doing was so different than what they did before. Defensively what we were doing was completely different than what they did before. So over the course of this year, we've had, probably had some setbacks. We've probably lost some close games that we shouldn't have lost if we would have just continued on course of what they were doing before. But again, I go back to that same thing of changing the culture. The reason I bring that up now is, is that pretty much everybody coming back next year is going to be a sophomore, and we look for big things out of all of them. You know, Billy Garrett Jr., he's totally changed his game as a player. You know, he's still a great offensive threat, but he's actually defending at a high level or trying to as much as he can every single possession. You can see that. You know, like he's – He's trying to talk. He's trying to be a leader on the court. Well, next year, he's not going to have to think about all those things. You know, he went through a whole season, and they're going to be natural for him. So now we can work on something a little bit different, whether it's using ball screens, coming off staggers and flares to score. So he'll be a sophomore in that regard. You know, same thing with Eli, same thing with Kurtan, Peter. Like, so pretty much, you know, we plan on just moving that one step up next year. Everybody that's returning, we're going to expect more out of. To say one guy in particular or two, I really can't pinpoint one or two. I mean, obviously, Eli, obviously, Ertan, obviously, Billy, all those guys played a lot of minutes for us this year. So you would think those guys would probably have the biggest role next year. Uh, Coach, like with nine games and like a Big East tournament left to play, uh, what are your expectations for the team for, the, for those remaining games? You know, for us, it's honestly, it's just keep getting better every single day. Okay. It isn't every single game or like we need to win this many because – you're really not going to judge your season this year on wins and losses. And it's like I said before, like we knew we were coming in and we were going to have 17 freshmen. We knew we had a lot of things we had to change. And part of it is learning how to win. If you look at our early Big East games, you know, like the Seton Hall game, the Butler game, we're losing those games. Even the Georgetown game, like we were winning with a few minutes left to play. I'd say four or five, and then, you know, they go on a run. Like our guys didn't really know what it is to win. And a lot of times what happened with DePaul in the past, and this is nothing against their old staff, but it's just, it's just how they were. They either won by a lot or they got blown out. And they would quit. You know, like, and the thing I'll give a lot of credit to our guys this year is they haven't quit. You know, we've really only been blown out by one team, and that was Xavier. You know, and they're pretty good. They're a pretty, pretty, pretty good team. So, and a matchup-wise, they're really tough, you know. So, I'm really proud of our kids this year. They've really hung in there. They've stuck with it. They continue to fight. They haven't quit. So I would say we just want to build on it. And they picked up full court man-to-man. We turned it over a couple times. But we maintained course, stayed poised, and we ended up coming out with the victory. So as long as we keep taking from those baby steps. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, I have a question. Um, I don't know if you want to touch on the uh, coaches versus cancer. Uh, myself and Digits were at the uh, game against Xavier last Saturday. So uh, all you guys sporting the uh, nice white shoes with the suits. Yes. Uh, coaches versus cancer. Sure. Background of why yeah. coaches wear like the athletic shoes like during this week and uh, like what it means to you guys basically as the default coaching staff. Coach Carter, are you still there? Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. You guys are just breaking up a little bit. Oh, sorry Hello? about that. I'm I'm not sure uh, what happened. Can you hear us? Uh, we're back. I can hear you guys now. 
Yes. Yeah. We have a phenomenal editing department. So, <laughs> you guys do? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it'll 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 sound better in post. So. Everything's gonna sound fluid. <laughs> Can't wait. Get, 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 get. Well, actually, uh, so essentially, what happened is the NABC has obviously put together this coaches versus cancer week, and it really is an unbelievable thing because it really promotes the American Cancer Society. And what it does is obviously we all look silly because we're out there in suits wearing sneakers. And what it does is it, visib it visibly lets people talk about, like, wait a minute, why are these guys wearing shoes with suits? So now that coaches versus cancer comes up, and you know, it's helped. Obviously, they're raising money to help fight cancer. And I know not even just in coaching, but just life in general, there's so many people that have either lost, lost someone or that cancer has affected. So any way that us as coaches or really college basketball in general can bring awareness to that and help that fight, obviously we're all for it. And, you know, we look silly, we look goofy, but obviously people are talking about it. And it's going towards the American Cancer Society, you know, some life-saving efforts to really eliminate that disease, which is important. Yeah, it sounds good. Definitely a uh, great cause. Um, before we uh, let you go, we want to ask you some uh, maybe non-basketball questions. These, these are the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the uh, what the uh, listeners really want to hear about. Is, uh, how how great. Did living in the city of Chicago? Oh man, Chicago's the best. Um, I obviously recruited here a lot before, but now having the ability to actually live downtown and know how to navigate my way through the city, not just using my GPS. Right. You know, every day, you know, you can find somewhere new to eat. You can find a new shop to go into. And really just the people here in general have really been unbelievable. You know, it's a true Midwest deal. Everybody's friendly to one another, except for probably when you're driving on the expressway. But <laughs> other than that, you know, it's been really, really good. It's been good. Yeah, that's what they say. We're a big city with a small town feel. Absolutely. Um, what, what are some of your favorite restaurants here? Got any spots? I like Bellaria. Yeah, I like Bellaria. It's an Italian spot over by my house. I live on Lakeshore Drive. So right down there, it's a really good Italian place. Um, obviously, Chicago-style pizza. They're really, to be honest with you, there's not too many things that I don't like to eat. I love the Rush Street area. You know, there's a lot of great places over there. So. You'd probably find me at any one of them. Spending too much money for sure. Hey, no, no problem. When you guys make the tournament, we'll all go out to Gibson's or something. Well, no, they, you know what? Tell them, like, the next time on the radio, if they want to give you some free meals, I'll talk about each one of them individually. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, well, sponsors coming up. <laughs> I'm all about sponsorships. No oh, problem. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thanks. So, um, we, we know you, you grew up in, uh, in Michigan, so... Uh, this might not apply to you, but would you lean towards the Cubs or the Sox, or are you just uh, a Detroit Tigers fan? You know, I am a I am a Tigers fan, probably at heart, but it is really hard not living in the city and kind of not getting caught up in what happened with the Cubs last year. So if I had to pick one of the two right now, I don't know as much about the White Sox. I would probably have to say I would go with the Cubs if I had to pick one. That was the right answer. That was the right answer. So you're good. Yeah, it's close. Nucci is a Cubs fan. I'm a White Sox fan. And Quasi is a Blue Jays fan. So we're all over the place here. But, yeah, Nucci likes your answer for sure. Yeah, it's hard not to here in Lincoln Park. You get out in the L. You know, yeah. take a couple of stops up and get off and go to a game in the middle of the day and come back and get some work done. So, yeah, I've got to go with the Cubs. Definitely. The city was buzzing last October. Uh, you, I'm sure it you was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable. 
So uh, just one final question uh, before we let you go. Um, what's your prediction on the Super Bowl? Um, that's a good one. I would have to say the Carolina Panthers. You know, I think Cam Newton has had an unbelievable season. He's really stepped up and just shown how great he really is with all the injuries that happened to his team. And he's made other people around him better, you know, and I would like to see them win probably. Yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with the Carolina Panthers. Do you think it'll be a close game or no? I mean, both defenses are pretty good. Yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to say it'll probably be a close game. I'm going to say the Carolina Panthers by seven. Oh, oh, wow. Well, there's some cover in there. Carolina to cover. That was actually the next question. <laughs> I don't even know. Is there a, is there a, what is the line on the game? I didn't know what that is. Last I checked, I think Carolina was like five minus, and a half. minus five and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to say Carolina covering. Carolina rolling. All right, you heard it here from Coach yeah, Carter. I know. Yeah. I know. Uh, Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, thanks. we really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on our show. Best of luck against Creighton this weekend. I really do appreciate it, guys. And again, anytime you want me out, I'd be more, more than happy to do it. But I really appreciate you guys' support. And oh, again, anytime will, uh, you want, we'll you want me out, out you yeah. <laughs> we will make sure to uh, get you on the show again. Hopefully, maybe in March for a little March Madness discussion. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. Thanks for close, Carter. Uh, thank you. No problem. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay, thanks. That was, once again, Coach Rick Carter from the DePaul Blue Demons. Uh, he set the standard high for uh, guests on PTM Chicago. I would just like to uh, clarify something from our Super Bowl segment. I uh, was originally going with the Broncos, but, uh, you know, Coach Carter, he's a uh, he's pretty convincing man. I think I'm going to go uh, Cam Newton and uh, the Carolina Panthers. I did not know a waffling could pick <laughs> a waffle anymore. Next Christmas... Guaranteed you get a waffle out. <laughs> no one knows who you picked. Yes. So to recap the picks, Ian <laughs> Price took Denver, Coach yes. Carter took Carolina, yes. and Quasi took a waffle iron. <laughs> you know, Hashtag what? fuck Joe Buck. <laughs> Thanks once again for joining us on PTM Chicago. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PTM Chicago. And uh, hope to see you uh, listening again to our episode. Yep.